What's up, everybody? You are tuning in to the second episode of the Roughnecks Podcast with Teddy and Cole. Thank you for the very few of you who listened to the first episode last week, which was just Teddy and I talking about ourselves. I know it can be a little hard to listen to, and I didn't even really enjoy listening to it either, but today's episode should be a lot better. Uh, we have our first ever special guest with us today. We have Joe Eichley. for joining us likely thanks for um, having me second episode let's go yeah, yeah fire. so just to start let's give us a little background about yourself all right so i am the uh, wide receivers and strength and conditioning coach here at iowa Wesleyan university uh originally from the middle of nowhere southeastern ohio and what else you want to know man i played college ball played tight end in college um for a little bit i've been coaching football for let me see here since 2012 coached high school football in ohio for a couple years Coached high school ball in Florida for about four years, and I've been in the college game uh, the last four years. All right. Can you give us a Cousin Murph story? It's a Cousin <laughs> Murph story right off the bat. <laughs> That's something about you. Uh, so I had this Cousin Murph. Obviously, his last name is, is Corey Murphy. Or his last name's Murphy. Um, so he was a very unique individual, to say the least. All right. The ramp one? Yeah. Okay. All right, so we were kids. I want to say we were probably like 10 or 12 years old. Uh, Cousin Murph, a couple other guys are hanging out. And we had built this really sketchy jump. A couple cinder blocks, piece of plywood, doing what kids do. So Cousin Murph tells us that he will be the first one to hit the ramp as long as he gets a can of chew. So somebody will give him a can of chew, he'll be the first one to hit the ramp. So all right, he goes up the big hill. He's coming down. He's flying. He's got this old sketchy bike, of course, Cousin Murph style. Front tire falls off of the bike. Forks dig into the ground. He goes over the handlebars, smacks his head on the cinder blocks, rolls over, gets up, dusts himself off. First thing he says, can I get that can of dick? <laughs> Some people will do anything for a chew. Anything. <laughs> What's Murph doing now, Murph is just recently released from a uh, penitentiary in Ohio, and I believe he's <laughs> welding somewhere now, welding something. Hey, at least he's got a job. Last time I saw him in person, he hit me up to meet him in this garage. It was the middle of the night. I'm talking like midnight. So I go up this garage, way up in the woods, and he is welding these, these metals in the flower. What flowers? I said, what the hell are you doing? He said, oh, I got to install all this metal off of a job site. He was working construction at the time. And he was welding these flowers so that he could sell at the flea market. So if you guys ever seen Trailer Boys, Cousin Murphy's kind of a real-life version of Ricky. He's got any scheme, any, any quick get-rich-quick scheme going at any time. Usually ends with him in, him in jail at some point. So he's a character, to say the least. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. One thing about you is you run a lot. Yes. How much do you run a week? I usually try to stay between 20 and 30 miles. Uh, this week I'm getting close to 30 miles. I'm like four miles short of 30 miles for the week this week. So that's usually a heavy week. I've gotten up to 40 miles a week, but I try to keep it 20 is kind of my minimum. What made you ever start running? Oh, I got too fat, man. 
got done playing college ball, eating way too many chicken wings, not working out at all. I was still lifting, but not really working out. And then I just kind of got hooked to it. Uh, moved to Florida, and I moved to Florida, you know, by myself. My now wife was my uh, girlfriend at the time. She moved down like six months after I moved down. So I first moved down, and there was a bar on the same street I lived on that had a running club. You run once a week, you run three miles, you get a free beer. So that's kind of how it all started. I got hooked on it and just enjoyed, enjoyed pushing myself. I think that is one thing that every individual should do, you know, daily pushing yourself, whether it be physically, mentally, something challenging, and I just kind of got hooked on it. Haven't stopped since. Do you think that's a great way to go attack a hunter, huh? Yes. Hey, I feel like you need to start running. No, I told that motherfucker, hey, you need to fucking run. I'm talking about you. Oh, me? <laughs> yeah, you. No, I, what are you talking about? You need to start running. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. You need to quit picking yourself. Yeah, it's probably true. Sick bastard. <laughs> we were originally talking about doing this podcast, and Teddy told me it was going to be about the movie Rudy. I was very confused, so I wa- rewatched it to refamiliarize myself, and then I got a text from Ikeley saying, Watch the horseshit movie Rudy this weekend, and I will tear it apart next week. So let's just jump into it. Explain to me why this is a horseshit movie. We'll give All right. backstory. Back, yeah, backstory. Well, I'll give my backstory first. So me and my brother, growing up in Ohio, we were obviously we're big football fans. I mean, me and my brother used to watch NFL films for hours. We were always just obsessed with football. And we never, like all of our friends growing up, were all Ohio State fans. We never were Ohio State fans. We were always huge Notre Dame fans. So growing up, we watched Rudy thousands of times, watched Rudy, come to love it. Like, I was just obsessed with the movie, loved everything about it, embodied everything me and my brother were about, you know, hard work, everybody counting, you know, the world was against this guy. And, you know, he was a walk-on, ended up getting a sack in a Notre Dame game, legendary, you know. So I'm in college, fast forward, I'm like a sophomore in college. They have the actual Rudy Rudiger come to our campus to talk to us, and I was pumped. I was juiced. I had my Notre Dame jersey on. I had a Notre Dame cap on. Um, when they had him in an auditorium, we were actually in the op- upper deck. So it was me and two of my old line buddies, and we were actually chanting Rudy when he came to the stage. That's how juiced we were. We were like, Rudy, Rudy, he gets up there and starts talking. All right. And then from there, it just went downhill and completely destroyed my childhood. All right. So if you guys know the story of Rudy, all of it is complete horseshit. First off, if you haven't seen Rudy before listening to this, go watch the movie. You yes. Yes, I've seen Rudy. I had to rewatch it. I haven't seen it in a while. But it's like, you need to watch the movie before you listen to this. And to start off, and I'll tell this guy's kind of life story. So Rudy Rudiger, in the movie, it makes you think that he is fresh out of high school, goes, and then walks on to Notre Dame. That is not the truth. He went and served in the military for four or five years discharged from the military, worked in a steel mill for another two years. So this guy was 26, 27 it years old. He never says anything about the Nothing, military. nothing at all, nothing at all. Huh. So, and again, before we go any further, too, you also got to remember, Rudy Rudiger wrote the movie. Jeez. He wrote the movie Damn. and chopped it around Hollywood until somebody bought it. Stupid okay. Asshole. So, discharged from the military, he goes and then he walks on to Notre Dame. So I'll start kind of the storyline of the movie. The movie, all right, first it shows him getting on the bus to go to a field trip and, you know, Rudy, you're not Notre Dame material. All that's false because he wasn't even in high school. That part is false. Go to the steel mill part. His buddy Pete, right, 
His buddy Pete buys him the Notre Dame jacket. Pete tragically dies in that accident and in the steel mill. And that's what inspires Rudy to go to Notre Dame. Never had a buddy named Pete. <laughs> Nobody Jesus. died in a steel mill. Okay? Never had a buddy named Pete. Never had a buddy named Pete. <laughs> I bet he had a cousin named Murph. All right. <laughs> Continue down. Continue down. Goes to Notre Dame. Okay, can't get to Notre Dame at first. Goes to Holy Cross. Transfers into Notre Dame. That part is factual. Then he gets in, and then the wise janitor comes into play here, right? The wise janitor character, you know, he gives him the key so he can sleep in the janitor's closet or whatever that fucking locker room was. <laughs> all right, all false. Never slept in any locker room, janitor's office, never slept there. The wise janitor, not even a guy. All he said was it was a combination of people that he formed into this character. So that part is completely false. So we get in, all right, so Rudy's a walk-on, you know, all that he did walk on, he's getting the shit beat out of him at practice, all of that is factual. Get to the big part, one of the biggest parts of the movie, everybody at Notre Dame, you know, in the final home game, Rudy's a senior, they all lay their jerseys down on coach's desk. You know, I want Rudy Rudiger to play. False. Didn't happen. Nobody ever laid a jersey down for Rudy. There was a quarterback on Notre Dame. Fucking, uh, what's his name? Joe Montana. Montana. Yeah, Joe, Joe Montana. Montana. Greatest linebacker of all time. Which, I'll get to Joe Montana later. All right? So nobody ever laid down any jerseys. False. False. All right? Now to the iconic game that's the whole climax of the movie. Nobody ever chanted his name. The stadium did not. The one chant thing I noticed Rudy. about that, first off, it wasn't that they chanted it; it was that they chanted it for like five minutes. Yes. Like, uh, in what realistic world is someone going to chant Rudy for five minutes? Like, well, there's like whatever. What's Notre Dame Stadium? Well, like eighty thousand people. Mm -hmm. Who the hell is Rudy? Nobody knows who Rudy <laughs> is. He's a walk-on. He just got his jersey for the first time. It's not like he's Joe Montana. <laughs> So that never happened. He actually does get in the game, gets the sack, and he does get carried off the field, which has actually not happened, you know, Notre Dame since. But back to Joe Montana. Joe Montana was on Barstool Sports not too long ago, and he brought up the fact that the two guys that carried him off the field were the biggest pranksters on the team at the time. Oh, God. So they were obviously doing it as a joke. So the, the, the whole movie is in Rudy Rudiger's own mind that he conjured up this story about all of this. Wise janitor's not true. Jerseys are not true. Fucking you know, Pete. Pete, <laughs> that's, that's what got me. That's the biggest part of the movie, probably. So, so me, I'm in college. I'm up there, like, I got my Notre Dame stuff. First five minutes, I'm, like, pumped. I'm ready to go. By the end of it, I'm completely deflated. My, my Notre Dame hat is on the ground. My face is in my hands. And then this guy continues on. And he says, you know what, you know, if it wasn't for me, Vince Vaughn wouldn't have a career. Because that was one of Vince Vaughn's big move, first big movies. And I was like, is this guy high? Like, has he never, has he never seen Swingers? Has he never seen, like, Vince Vaughn's a huge movie star. Like, what are you even talking about? And then, even better, he goes on, he goes, yeah, we, you know, we have these Notre Dame alumni, alumni events. And, you know, when we get back together, Joe Montana's kids want to play catch with me. Yeah, they play catch with their dad all fucking day. Oh my god, I was like, it's, a, it's, it's official. This is the biggest douchebag that I've ever met uh, in my life. Well, he wow. fucked his uh, stepdaughter, didn't he? 
Uh, it doesn't surprise me. What? Where did that come from? Something about what was he doing? He, was, he left his wife. Yeah. For his stepdaughter. Yeah. So he divorced his wife for his stepdaughter. Bold. Complete dirtbag. Is she hot? She's got to be way better. And then also, I guess you know they took him around campus. He was around their football program and all that. And he went to the cafeteria. They were going to eat with him at the cafeteria. He goes, oh. Oh, I'm not just eating here with regular people. Exact comment from him. Not eating here with regular people. Dude, dude. dude you played one play. Did he get you played one play. Did he get a degree <laughs> from Notre Dame? Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure the movie, the movie says I think he does. The movie I says. I know, but at this point, shit. the movie is, I don't even know. But that's it. You know, you, If you write your own story, and then he shopped it around Hollywood until somebody bought it. That's what got me. Down. Some stones on that one. So, yes, he did get in a game. He did get a sack. They did carry him off the field. Those are facts. A guy named Rudy Rudiger did that at Notre Dame. <laughs> Everything else in the movie, complete horseshit, BS. Fucking Pete. The, the part about Pete, that, that's just not. I, I don't Who know. makes that up? Yeah, like, that's. that's uh, he had a wow. Been high. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, four beers in, I'm going to write a movie. <laughs> the beginning of the movie, too, that's what I love. It says, based on a true story, which technically, that's what people don't realize is that how loosely that term is. Because, like, even, I'm pretty you sure. loosely um, or loosely? Loosely. You said loosely. Sorry. Like, <laughs> you know, yourself. Because, um, like, isn't, uh, what's it, The Blind Side, it's a lot of false facts in that one as well, I believe. Name five. I can't off <laughs> I'm pretty sure he wasn't as dumb as they made him seem. You just say you're pretty sure he wasn't. I don't know for sure. I'm not going to sit here and state a fact if I don't Sandra know Sandra Bullock for sure took him. No, he did not stay in Tim McGraw's house. <laughs> <laughs> he did not stay. That kid did not sleep in Tim McGraw's house. I know Bullshit. that for a fact. I know Fucking that for a fact. <laughs> you know, Tim McGraw's dad played baseball. I did not. Fucking there you go. I also know his son played for the Premium Panthers, too. Almost won a Texas State title. <laughs> In that movie, Tim McGraw had a huge drinking problem. <laughs> Son couldn't catch a ball for shit. No. No, he fumbled. No, he couldn't catch. No, he fumbled. Either way, he won a state ring. Yes. That's all that matters. He beat the shit Ooh. out of him in the movie and duct taped the ball to his hands. Fucking Tim McGraw's got anger issues. Apparently, <laughs> man. How many movies is Tim McGraw in? That movie? What? They drank Lone Star throughout that whole <laughs> It's Texas. Yeah, they could have switched it up. And that's also West Texas, so I'm sure that's the oh, only, the that's only the beer that's even around. Beer yeah. Texas. <laughs> it's nationally. It's the best beer around. Oh, yeah? Oh, uh, strength and conditioning, which I think. All right, what you got for me? So, where do you think, as far as from high school, I think at the high school level, if guys, and I mean, we even do it here, you know, us at this level, do not worry about weight. I think a lot of guys, you know, they worry about throwing up big numbers, especially definitely your power movements at, at the high school level, back squat, bench, where there's, you know, those numbers don't really mean anything if it's done in a way that's going to hurt you. You know, while you're talking about loading up a five, 600-pound back squat and doing a half squat, I don't really see where that transitions to the football field. So doing movements that you can see on a football field, 
So we're a complete Olympic lifting um, team here. And I'm not saying that, you know, every high school needs to do the snatch and clean. I definitely think they need to clean. Um, but just seeing things to transition from the weight room on the football field. If you can't see it done on the football field, why are you doing it in the weight room? And then also kind of announcing that risk-reward ratio. So, yeah, there's very little reward with a very heavy deadlift and a huge risk of injury in lower back. All right, where if you take something like the clean done properly, the reward is through the roof, and then the risk of injury is very low if it's done properly. And now, just kind of going off of that, the combine, a great way to quantify football, but do you think it should still be carried on or things should be taken or added? Like, take the bench press, right? Like, my thing is a lot of the top bench press players in the combine don't end up being – the best offensive Wasn't there a lineman. kicker that got a shit done last year? Yeah, a punter. Like, yeah, like look, 25. Yeah, like what, what does that prove for a punter? Fuck. I think it just proves that you're really good at bench. <laughs> so you you know, that's that's really it. You, you think uh, they should put something in its place? I do, I do believe, and again, you know, I'm, I'm a complete Olympic weightlifting guy, so I think if, you know, if a guy, our big number here is that 300 clean. If you got a guy that's a 300 cleaner, Nine times out of ten, he, he's a starter. He's a pretty good ball player. So I think seeing the power clean in the combine, I think, would be be revolutionary. It would be crazy. It would be crazy to see. And I know, so I have a cousin that actually, not cousin, but a different cousin. <laughs> I have a cousin who's a shot putter um, at Ashland University. He won three national titles. He got invited um, to try out for the Colts. And he never played football all of college. So he was four or five years not playing football, and the Colts still wanted him to try out because he could clean over 300. He was a 300-pound freaking animal that was athletic. He was a shot putter, you know, 300-pound animal that could spin around eight times and throw a metal ball, you know. <laughs> it's pretty athletic. So I think seeing it, those measurables, I think those mean more than the game of football than bench press. I think the combine that when it comes to the bench press, it's something that's just been done for so long that it's just kind of just what there. I, yeah, I yeah, feel like it, they kind of are stuck in the old ways. Like they're exactly. not, and they don't want to be the one to change it. Like nobody wants to make that push to change, make a change in it. I think it's more of a morale thing. That's why it's kind of. It's yeah, like, and it is. I mean, it is impressive. If a guy can put two twenty-five on there and rep it for twenty-five times, that is pretty impressive. But I just don't see that on the football field. Right. I don't see where that's going to happen on the We're football never. field. What's your opinion about the 40, then? I do. I mean, the 40, that's fine. All the running stuff and that, I get all that. Testing the vertical and all that, I get that. Because I want to know guys' straight line speed. You know, I want to know if I'm looking that's at a skill position. Even the O-line. If an O-lineman can run, you know, whatever in the fives. That 10-yard split. Low fives. I like 10s, too. Yeah. I think the 10-yard split's the more, like, important one than the actual. For the offensive line. Yeah. yeah. But I think, too, that the combine is a lot of. I mean, it's a lot of measurables that I think guys buy too much in, into. And I think, and I don't know this, I'm not an insider or anything, but I think scouts and guys at the NFL level look at more of the skills and drills thing more than the numbers. So if their skills and drills are good and they got a shitty 40, yeah, they're probably going to pass on them. If they got a decent 40 and they're really good, you know, really good in the skills and drills thing, then I think they're, you know, it's a no-brainer. Numbers to it. I think everything with strength and conditioning and all this stuff, I think it's all got to be functionality. You know, what are you doing that functionally gets you strong? Because even like something like the back squat, 
you know, you're pretty isolated in what you're doing. You know, you're not really moving much. If you go look at something like the front squat, you know, where we finish our cleans and things like that, all those movements you can see done on the football field. Pleasure. All right, Cole, question for you. Since when is this your podcast? Right now, I'm in the middle. <laughs> um, so me and Ike were upstairs one day and put together a PowerPoint oh God. for you guys to do running I can't when everybody run. was locked up. Okay. Did you or anybody else even look at the fucking thing? I did multiple times. I actually did it. You can ask Cam Jones because he did it with me, and I know Chitty did it too. But as for that, every time I was at the field, there was never really anybody else. So what you're Keith trying to there. say is... I honestly, I'm not trying to call a bunch of guys out right now, and if they're listening... Oh, you're just like trying I, to suck the shit out of DB's dick. <laughs> no, it's not the DB. The first day I showed up, the receivers were there. There was receivers there. Kellen, Kofi, I think. Yeah. Uh, a few other. I think there was an offensive lineman, too. I don't really know why, but, um, but there was a few guys, and they were running routes and stuff, but I don't know if they were running. Like they were finishing up as we were showing up, but every time I was there, there was nobody else there. And I know some guys went earlier in the day, but I know a lot of also is a lot of guys didn't do shit. At least some guys did. All right, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Give, give me a call, everybody out on a podcast. Fair enough. Yeah, let's see if they actually listen to it. <laughs> you just say, hey, Rudy's a piece of shit, and Cole called everybody out. Yeah. <laughs> they call everybody out. But there was guys that put in work, and I don't, I can't account for the whole day. Good. Yeah. All right, so that's a wrap on the second episode of the podcast. Um, thank you, Ike Lee, for being the first ever special guest on our podcast. Even the last one. We've never had a guest on the last one either. No, no. Next, next guy is Schuster. Oh, yeah, we got oh, Schuster oh, next. Yeah. That's yeah, a little, little – we have no clue what our topic is yet. And every time I ask him, he's like, I don't know. So. What if we just find out, like, Schuster was never born? He's just like some lab project. <laughs> Yeah, make him do it shirtless. Yes. <laughs> Schuster is an interesting guy. Um, Perfect chest fro. What is it? Chest pubes. Chest pubes down to my ball fro. <laughs> so, got to ask one more question before you go. Favorite alcoholic beverage? Oh, man. You put me on the spot like this, huh? <laughs> and I, I, I'm just a classic beer guy, man. I, I'm you got rolling, a particular one? Rolling Rock's my go-to. Ooh, I don't know about that. Ice cold Rolling Rock. As always, make sure you follow. Cold drinks, margaritas. No. As always, make sure you give us a follow on Instagram at Roughnecks Roughnecks Podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Anytime, anything you do that you can. Whoa, that was weird. Anything. Cole has extra brain cells. <laughs> anytime you share anything with us, make sure you tag us and use the hashtag hashtag Roughnecks Podcast. We appreciate everything you guys do for it. For us, Roughnecks out. Later, sir.